hearing the river flowing by, listening to the wind through the tops of those pine trees, <laughs> watching bear cubs play on the side of the road, and realizing that these things need to be physically defended. So mixing my sweat and my labor with that land base was the first time in my life where I could actually say, I'm physically present for this land. Where I come from is the result of not resisting corporations. I live in a very toxic place. It's important for me to bring youth out here to see that there is clean water and fresh air out there somewhere, and there's little of it left, so we need to protect it. Twelve hundred kilometers north of Vancouver, in a forest half-eaten by pine beetles, sits a modest encampment. Strategically placed cabin, pit house, kitchen tent, permaculture garden, and newly constructed bunkhouse are the physical manifestations of a resistance movement in Canada that's taking root and gaining strength. These land defenders are physically occupying the territory that's earmarked as a pipeline corridor cutting across northern British Columbia. Frida Cusin and her partner Togastai live full-time on their traditional Unistotin territory. In mid-July, a group of activists boarded the Social Coast Action Bus, a school bus that's used for social projects in Victoria, B.C., and headed up to the Unistoten blockade. The Action Bus was part of the Caravan to Unistoten, organized by Victoria Forest Action Network, which is spearheaded by Zoe Blunt. Environmentalist Will Falk assisted her with organizing the caravan. There was so much involved from, um, you know, finding a willing driver to drive that school bus all the way up there to um, prioritizing donations uh, that came in. So we actually had to um, turn away fresh food donations because um, we just didn't have enough space on the bus. Uh, we were afraid that it would spoil on the way up, things like that. And then uh, I think another thing in, and more serious is security issues when you have like an open call for volunteers to come to a place like the Unistoten camp. Um, when you, you know, it's, it's public online that uh, the Unistoten camp is calling for people to come to the action camp. Um, there's nothing really except for our own hunches and intuitions and questions that are keeping the RCMP away or members of corporations away. Um, so that... Uh, becomes um, an issue is, uh, you know, n not wanting to be over suspicious of people, but also recognizing that if somebody uh, is maybe acting unusual or um, um, isn't answering questions about decolonization in a favorable way, 
I just found that to be um, an unsettling experience, actually um, facing the fact that there are uh, people in in the community, in um, government that uh, would rather the Unistone camp did not exist. I mean, another uh, part of the screening process is just making sure that non-Indigenous peoples are aware of the fact that we occupy um, stolen land, land that is only available to us through centuries of genocide. Um, and then not just that realization, but but understanding how th- we have to think about that in terms of our relationship with, with the land here and with Indigenous peoples who still have um, very strong cultures, who still are born with the knowledge that um, their ancestors were were murdered, and not just their ancestors, but people they may know now. The caravan headed to the blockade specifically for the annual action camp, a week-long stay where activists attended workshops, worked on finishing construction of a new bunkhouse or in the permaculture garden, and networked. The trip took two and a half days through the hottest parts of BC, averaging about 14 kilometers an hour on the uphill stretches. Scott Loudon periodically checked under the hood. Mostly when we stop, you guys open the hood and check it out. What are you guys looking for and what are you doing? Uh, well, every morning you do a pre-trip just to make sure everything, all your oil and fluid levels are right and nothing's changed over the night, nothing's leaking. Mm-hmm. Um, just walk around the vehicle, make sure the tires are okay, all the lights are working. Mm-hmm. How's this bus as far as its personality goes? Is it uh, old and cranky? No, actually, the bus is old, but it's uh, solid and it just keeps going, so... Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, I've been fortunate because I work for the school district and I got a really nice bus to drive all the time. But, uh, no, yeah, I like this one. Eric Nordle was the primary bus driver for the trip. How was your uh, first day on the road, Eric? It was really exciting. We moved quickly downhill and very slow uphill. The bus was warm. People were sweaty. (laughs) About how warm did you think that bus was? Um, 75 degrees celsius at least <laughs> yeah set the thermometer on the on the bus right, what do you what do you expect for tomorrow on the road uh, more heat more excitement uh it's day two on the road people are a little more comfortable i think together at this point and uh yeah just another fun day mm-hmm. and why do you do this to stop pipelines The first night, the group camped at Chasm. We pulled off the highway and into the campsite a couple minutes after watching a black bear running alongside the road. People on the bus unloaded and set up their tents and ate dinner as night fell, and a huge red moon rose on the other side of the canyon. My name is Irene Dambriunis. And you're here from Montreal? Yes. I'm wow. here from Montreal. Why did you come out so far for this? So I work at CKUT, mm-hmm. um, Campus Community Radio Station in Montreal, and I coordinate a lecture series there on climate justice. And so I invite different speakers and different organizers from across Canada and the United States to come and give talks about the initiatives that they're taking on. And uh, in May, Mel Basil from the Unistoten Camp came, and he also gave a workshop at the Anarchist Book Fair and I basically spent like a week just hanging out with Mel and like picking his brain until five in the morning most nights and he convinced me to come. And I've been meaning to come out west because this is my first time out here. We had a long day of driving today. What did you think of the bus ride and the scenery and everything? It was very beautiful and I was just like staring out the window the entire time. Um, it definitely got pretty hot, but we made it. Yeah, we made it. 
It's Jillian Prouse. And what uh, made you decide to come up to the camp? I've been following the Nestoten camp for a while now, uh, just like on their mailing list. And, you know, there's often rallies and like fundraisers for the camp uh, in Vancouver. So, and then eventually I just had time to come up here. It's been a long time coming, so it just worked out. Do you have any expectations for what's uh, what, what you think will happen up there? I'd just like to know it personally so that, you know, when I come back to Vancouver, like I've even noticed since I've been telling people that I was coming up here, they're like, oh, what is this camp? And it's just kind of, you know, it's a learning experience for me and then I can bring that back to Vancouver mm-hmm. and kind of spread the word about it. So. Mia Tooley, this is your second time going up to the camp, is that right? Yes, it is. I went last year um, for the action camp as well. What happened last year? Can you give us an idea? Because I've never been and these guys I don't think have been, so. Sure, yeah. Um, it was really great. Lots of workshops through the day, um, all different ones. So lots of like um, explicitly like decol- decolonizing workshops and then some easier ones like tree climbing and rope building and um, non-violent protest movements um, so lots of stuff going on all through the day you could kind of pick and choose what you wanted to go to do you think that it'll be a similar thing this year or is there something that you specifically want to get out of the camp this year i don't know what it'll be like this year i expect quite similar i'm excited for the permaculture garden because when i was up there it was pretty big and i imagine after a year it'll be even bigger mm-hmm. um, so i'd like to spend some time there and just generally mm-hmm. hang out and why did you get involved with this right before the camp last year i was at the indigenous leadership forum um, at UVic, which was like a week-long class, pretty much, um, like a discussion, and some people were coming up from that, so I just kind of tagged along. Many of the people who traveled north did not take the decision to make the trek lightly. Tenzin, Tarchin. Now, you had a pretty big journey to get this far. Most of us have been on a bus for seven hours, but you've been on a bus for how long now? Uh, since Thursday, so including today, it'll be like four days. Wow. Then tomorrow will be five days. That's right, and you uh, you gave up a lot to come out here. Can you tell me about that a bit? Yeah, I am an activist, and uh, I gave up my home and sold all my stuff so I could come out here free with no. I don't have anything tying me down, and this is my life list, you know. So I gave it up so I could come out here. You said that today you were going to write your address on the on the form. What was it? Yeah, I think the address was a Greyhound bus, and the bus number was 1536, so that was like my postal code. But I don't have an address, so like I didn't write anything down. How come you're so passionate about this, that you gave up everything to come out here? Because I understand the interconnectedness of everything. So no one's going to like hold down their mother and inject poison into their mother. Or no one's going to like... Seed parts of their mother or sell parts or like I'm gonna sell my mom's liver today. People don't do that, and there's no connect difference between your know, mother and the earth because we're all connected. And I, I want to be able to say, or people to see that I stood for what I believe in instead of just talking about. It. So I came out here to prove what I say. <laughs> And what do you want to support? That, sorry. Yeah. And so, sorry. And then support this uh, solidarity with the indigenous people's claim to the land. Mm-hmm. Tessa Owens was the youngest member of the caravan. How was the day on the bus for you today? Um, it was really interesting. I'm traveling. This is probably like the first time I've done anything like this alone without my parents. 
So I was pretty nervous, but everyone's really, really friendly. Mm. And I was pretty much asleep the entire time. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah,、uh, you're pretty young, right? Yeah, I'm 17. So, why did you decide to do this?、Um, I'm really passionate about stopping the pipeline and really passionate about sustainability and climate change and have been since I was like. Six. <laughs> so it was kind of a no brainer. I always wanted to come to this camp. And I heard the last caravan was leaving yesterday, so I decided yesterday at around 5 p.m. that I was going to come. <laughs> What did your parents say?、Uh, my parents wanted to come, but my mom has hip problems, so she couldn't come with me. But they were very supportive. What do you want to get out of the camp? What do you think is going to happen up there? Um, I really just want to. I'm kind of really interested in how a camp like that functions, how it works. I really want to get to know more people,、um, more allies, and do the, as much as I can to help out, really, and take lessons from the workshops and implement them in my community.、Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you、uh, connected in your community with,、um, with a group already that you would work with, or are you going to start something new once you get home?、Um, I'm part of the Climate Reality Project. So, I deliver presentations around Victoria.、Um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of An Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore,、mm -hmm. but it's basically an updated version of his presentation because we were trained to give it in Chicago at, by him last year. So,、okay. I'm connected to the Climate Reality Network and I go to Pearson College, so I'll be connected to all the students there. The next morning, everyone packed up and piled back onto the bus for another day and a half of driving. Through the Fraser Canyon, through the Caribou region, ever north, through farmland and forests, more and more mills popped up, a reminder that the province's lumber economy still booms in areas of BC. In Vanderhoof, we stopped for gas and a bathroom break and were startled by the bright red sun and hazy sky. A woman working at the till in the gas station informed us there were six forest fires burning nearby. We drove for a few more hours through the haze. The second night we stayed in Burns Lake on the lawn of a woman involved with the camp. A few new cars full of people joined us. The next day we drove to Houston, rented a radio, and then pulled off into an active logging area, radioing our position to the logging trucks as we made our way to the blockade. Soon the Morris River came into sight beside the road, wide and steely gray in some parts, more greenish in others. The river flows with glacier runoff and provides a water source for the blockade. We rounded a corner, and there was the bridge over the river leading to the camp. Huge signs blocked it, and a locked chain prevented vehicles from crossing. The signs read, No access without consent, and honk and wait. Our driver stopped the bus, honked, and we got out to wait for the protocol involved in crossing over into the territory. Thanks for listening to The Road to Unistoten. This documentary was made possible with support from CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Music comes from Tanya Tagak and Running Point. To find out more about the camp, visit unistotencamp.com. To find out more about CFUV, visit cfuv.uvic.ca.